Welcome to year number two of the Stick to Football Fantasy Special, the best place to get all your info about the rookies this year. And it's great to have Matt Camp back in studio at BR. If you missed last year's show, you're going to be really, you're in tune for something special this year because I think it's safe to say guys like Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, won people some leagues. And there's a lot of skill players this year that have the potential to do that again. So it's exciting to have Camp back. Camp, welcome. Say what's up to the Stickies. Uh, good to. Uh, didn't I name the Stickies? You, Can I, I take credit you, for that one? It's, Am I a, getting residuals, by the way? I'm this looking is forward true. To the checks. People forget this. Matt Camp came up with the Stickies when we needed a name for the fan base, and he absolutely hit it out of the park with that one. All right. I'll look for the check. All right. But so, I'm, good to be, I'm happy to be back with you. I had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. I like this. I don't get to do this enough. The fantasy, the numbers, everything that I bring into the equation when I'm putting my stuff together and then you from the X's and O and the scouting side, I love to do more of this kind of stuff because I think it brings together, it melds together thought processes from both our sides that we change it. And there's going to be guys that we talk about that are going to be better in fantasy than they are in reality and then vice versa. So I I think it's good to kind of have these conversations about players where you may like them, but we know opportunity often rules all in fantasy football, especially with rookies. It's such a volume based thing. Uh, There's a lot of good rookies that don't even necessarily see the field or get the targets. I mean, you look at last year, the tight end group is notorious for that. David Joku is kind of a favorite this year and same with Evan Ingram and you know they weren't exactly featured guys last year so it's interesting to talk about their future it's the one time of the year we get to combine the scouting side with the NFL draft into fantasy football especially in now in today's NFL where so many rookie running backs specifically are making an impact yeah you know the last two years we've had a rookie running back lead the NFL in Russia that's insane Kareem Hunt last year and then you go back two years it was Ezekiel Elliott one and it was Jordan Howard two and this was a day one guy and I think Howard was a day three guy or a late day two guy yep. off the top of my head he's a fifth round pick I yep. believe for very so late. that's a day three guy who was second at rushing obviously Elliott was great Kareem Hunt was a third round pick and it it shouldn't be an all-encompassing philosophy. All rookies are good. All rookies are bad. Not the case. We've had the the Beckham class of wide receivers crush it. Last year's guys were ghosts. Rookie running backs, I think to that point is, if you're good, you play. That's right. Whether it's Saquon Barkley, who I know we're going to talk about, or what Alvin Kamara did last year, or Christian McCaffrey, there's different roles here. But if you can play from day one, Coaches don't get to stick around long to develop running backs. Quarterbacks are a different story, and that's why the quarterback class is interesting, not necessarily big for fantasy. But from a running back standpoint, if you can contribute from day one, these guys don't have long shelf lives. If you can get out there and contribute, you're going to play. And to me, that puts a lot of guys on the fantasy radar, although it tends to go in these trends. Last year, people are excited about the rookies. They want to get excited again this year. And the preseason necessarily hasn't been that great from boosting these guys up for fantasy. Yeah, of course. And we lost the key guy in Darius Geis right away, which sucked because I was super high on Geis. I thought he was the second best running back in that class. I know some injuries this last year at LSU hampered that a little bit, but in terms of talent and volume opportunity, it would have been exciting this year. But we have to address the elephant in the room. And and I don't want to say it's a super rare situation because there are times where rookies are projected first-round fantasy picks. But Saquon Barkley, he went second overall, He's now one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL for a team that needs a primary running back. This is a three down threat. Every single scout had almost perfect grades on him. Deemed as a special player. Where do we draft Saquon Barkley and what is his ceiling right away in year one? So Saquon Barkley is my number seven running back in PPR formats. People have him higher. I know that people I have Kareem Hunt ahead of him. Uh, 
my issue with Barkley is not talent. I believe he is more talented than Kareem Hunt, and I'm not saying anything crazy there. We all, I think, all believe that. Opportunity should be there. Uh, I think the Chiefs are a better team. And, and maybe that won't be the case by year's end, but I still have questions about the Giants' offensive line. I think that is, these are little things you're going to nitpick. He's a first-round talent for yep. fantasy. That says a lot. That's a massive endorsement. Elliott was there. Fournette was in that conversation last year. Um, and then, obviously, Kareem Hunt, depending on when you drafted, with Ware's injury last year. These guys were there. So this is not coming out of nowhere. But from a talent standpoint, yes, he's head and shoulders above the guys we've seen the last couple of years outside of Zeke. I I have no problem if you want to take him seventh or eighth overall. I get that uh, because I think with Beckham back there with the Giants and Ingram, as you mentioned, and Sterling Shepard, it's it's a solid group. I'm not telling you they're going to win nine or ten games, but there's a lot of talent here for fantasy, and he's a big part of it. Plus, he can catch the ball. You know, you and I, before we started, we're talking about uh, someone like Derrick Henry. Jordan Howard has had this problem when they're really not much of a threat in the passing. Take game. it off the field often. And they're all great. If you're, yeah. I'm not saying everybody's got to be a three down back. Yep. But if you're coming off the field, you're not catching passes. It's going to hurt you for fantasy. These guys like Todd Gurley, the discussions of Gurley and Bell and David Johnson, yep. uh, they're getting paid because they can do everything. And that's at a top, top, top level. Barkley can be in that conversation almost right away. And you would think that not only because they have had no ground game really whatsoever to rely on the last couple of years, but also it gives him another weapon, Eli Manning, out of the backfield. So, I mean, look at last year. I, I always check these out when I'm putting my projections together. I talk about catch uh, percentage, not a huge deal, but give me worth the target percentages. What are the targets they're getting from the whole team? What's the carry percentage? Last year, Orleans Darkwa. Who was still, I believe, a free agent. He got a couple of looks. Yeah, he did get some, you know, some 43. visits. Three point four percent of the carry percentage he had last year for the Giants. It's he colossal. led the way. Now that's not a super high number, but it for is when we're is. talking about Orleans <laughs> Darkwa. Yes, a rush percentage of the Giants' total rushes. He was over forty percent. Wayne Gallman was at 28.2%. That's a big number there, and I'm not telling you that Barkley's going to get all that, but. I think 55%, if not more, just in the carry uh, carry percentage alone is there. And then in terms of catches, I have him at 40-plus catches. I think 45 catches yeah. is not out of the realm of possibility. So the Giants took this guy number two overall for a reason. Should they have taken him? That's a whole different conversation. It's the same conversation I would have had two years ago with Elliott. They, there were other needs there. You could have found another running back. But the bottom line is happened. they did. It happened. He's there. Uh, if he's leading your team, if he is the foundation player of your fantasy team, I think you're going to be happy. What I want to note, though, is if Saquon Barkley is a first-round pick, we agree on that. I think many are. There's one. Beckham, end of the first, top of the second. Okay, you believe in him. Evan Ingram, I'm not quite as high on him because I don't think these same opportunities will be there, but considered one of the better tight ends in fantasy. Okay, Sterling Shepard, solid. So we believe in all these things. If you believe in all these things, I'm going to give you some piece of news here. You're going to be shocked when you say it. If you believe, and you nodded your head when I said all those things, then you believe in one Eli Manning as a fantasy quarterback. Guy getting them the football. Eli Manning has not been good the last two seasons. We know that last year was a total train wreck for the Giants. But in two of Odell Beckham's three healthy seasons, Eli Manning was the number 10 quarterback in fantasy football. He doesn't have to be that guy this year. But if he's got all this around him and he's going to stay the quarterback, nobody's pushing the job like last year, then he's got a chance at the very minimum to be a guy that you pick up and play. Not week one, they play the Jaguars. I get that. But if you believe in everything around him, he's the one throwing the ball. This is not Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. He's going to be busy. So to me, 
There's a guy that in a deeper league, maybe I grab as a backup in a two quarterback league. I'm happy to have Eli Manning. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't draft him and you need a quarterback and you're going to stream the position as many do, as we talk about every week and we do waiver wire weekly, you're going to pick up Eli Manning and play. There's going to be matchups that make sense. for Yes, him. And more, absolutely. This is a franchise that invested in the offensive line. They paid for what they believe is a high end left tackle. They drafted Will Hernandez at the top of the second round. There are players there that they feel will improve the entire situation for Eli Manning that aren't just skilled players. So I think it comes back to if you believe in Saquon Barkley, you believe in the offensive line improvements and you believe in Eli Manning. So I think that's a great point to tie it all back to just to wrap up the Barkley conversation. Is this somebody that can finish as a top three performer as a rookie or are those expectations just way too high? No, I don't think they're too high. I mean, I, you know, you pick these guys apart. The top four running backs have been Gurley, Bell, Elliott, and Johnson in some yep. kind of combination. Kamara's after that. I think it's Kamara and then Hunt and Barkley and Fournette and Gordon. It's a good group. I think the RB1 tier is a little deeper than the wide receiver one tier, which is great news for fantasy and may give you more reason to get that running back early uh, because I think the wide receiver group as a whole is deeper. But I think Gurley, something would have to go wrong for him not to be a top two or three back. Uh, Bell, the touches are going to be there. Pittsburgh has no, uh, they don't have to worry about him after this year. So they're going to keep feeding run him into the ground, right? Run him. It's a business. I hate saying that, but that's it's the truth. Though. Dallas has to feed Zeke. You got O-line issues there, but you know what? You could say the same thing about David Johnson in, in Arizona. There's it's O-line issues there and they stink. That's a bad team. Yep. So could Barkley jump into that conversation? Absolutely. All he has to do though, is pay off a top five, six season and that is where you're drafting him anyway. Top six, seven, that's fine. It doesn't have to be right at seven. It could be eight or nine. It's going to be worth it. Um, can you put this guy in your lineup every week as an RB1? The answer is yes. Nice. So well, that's a lock. We feel safe about that. The biggest question after that is since Darius Geis got hurt, it, it was a buzzkill, the injury amongst many. I don't know if this was the same for you. He was out of the rookies, the second best running back in this class for fantasy. Is that correct? I had guys at two. Okay. I ranked him at two. I actually thought right before he got hurt, he was starting to really separate himself. Whereas Barkley is clearly number yes. one. I thought that guys was separating himself as this is the guy. Yes. They have Chris Thompson who I like, you know, Rob Kelly's a guy. P yeah. Ryan's a guy, but guys was the man in that backfield. We you know we're going to get to the other guys there. He had separated himself. Talent was there. If you were doing a rookie draft dynasty draft, he was going second overall. So when he went down, it was a major bummer. So who slides into that spot now? Because you have this mix of group of guys, and just to name a few, Carryon Johnson's become a hot name. People have cooled on Ronald Jones because he's Ooh. had a disastrous summer, and everybody I talk to around that situation says it's is it it's some mental aspects. There's a lot going on there. I, he's just not ready to be a starter right now. Nick Chubb was taking low key, pretty high, but underwhelming at times this preseason. And then Sony Michelle, we just haven't seen. So who falls into this spot and I like Royce Freeman a that's, lot. That's the guy. That's and the guy. So much of fantasy, which is why there was interest in Ronald Jones. It was surprising to see where he went. I think we all felt yep. that way, but it was, okay, there's an opening there. There's clearly an opening there in him for Tampa. And Peyton Barber's a solid player and all, but Peyton Barber shouldn't be the one holding him back. And Ronald Jones hasn't put it together. He's had issues catching the football. That's always going to hurt him. So, you know, I have Peyton Barber ranked ahead of Ronald Jones right now going into the season. And, it's not necessarily about where I have them now. It's what's the potential. Where am I drafting these guys? You know, if I take Peyton Barber, what is he to my team? Well, he's probably an RB three that I don't expect to be there all season long. If yeah. really outside of your number one RB spot, you're going to be working through guys, even at the RB two spot. That's why I don't invest too much in running back. So 
I have Royce Freeman as my number 22 running back. Our, our big board came out this week with, with Royce Freeman there at 22 in PPR. That's a low-end RB2. Why? He's looked good in a situation where he clearly should be the guy. Devontae Booker is, is a pass catcher and not much more yeah. than that. I don't care what Denver's saying. If they want to win games this year, and if they don't want to get anybody fired since they survived that last year, Barely. Royce Freeman's got to be the guy. And I think he will be the guy. Uh, and I think he can catch the ball a little bit too, which is nice. Not going to go crazy about him, but he has, uh, I think, taken himself away from the pack a little bit with what he's done and the opportunity. You mentioned Nick Chubb. I, you know, was he the number two back? There's an argument there. He ends up in Cleveland. He could realistically be the third guy. Yeah. I mean, Duke Johnson, we did a, a social video on this, and, and we always put those up on Instagram and Twitter and all yep. that. And I, you know, it was uh, look at these backfields. Who would you pick? And I said at Cleveland, from a safe standpoint, I would say Duke Johnson, because I know what Duke Johnson is. I don't think Carlos Hyde or Nick Chubb is going to change what Duke Johnson brings to the table for the Browns. Now, who's got the highest upside is up for debate there. But it's a problem where Nick Chubb is going to get blocked by Carlos Hyde, who may be kind of underrated in fantasy and reality. The injuries just completely ruin his reputation. The reputation, like. but I don't even know if that's that fair. I know no. you're, I agree with you, but he overcame a lot of crap in San Francisco to play well and be teams. a strong fantasy player. So he's going to block Chubb a little bit there. Sony Michelle, you brought up. We haven't seen him. I call him the Bellatrix in New England because we never know who's going to be the guy you can rely on on a week yep. in a week out basis. Does he have the mo- Does he have more upside as a talent than Royce Freeman? I tend to think he does. He's on a better team, but we haven't seen him. So how high can you go with him? Um, Rashad Penny in, in Seattle. Will he be good to go? It sounds like he will be, but you had Seattle who last season had another disastrous year running the football. Chris Carson was good for a month. Chris Carson came out of nowhere and was good for a month, but he was good for a month. But then he was gone. And he was not a pick that was a seventh-round pick. You don't have to invest in the guy like that if you're Seattle. So you say, we stunk, run the ball two years in a row. We need to address this position. We're going to do so. Do with some of the first round was a little bit of a surprise. with Rashad Shocking. Penny, both the pick and the player. But the fact of the matter is, is they made that pick. So anything they got from Chris Carson, probably in Seattle's mind, would have been a bonus. Well, there was a chance he could have come back at the end of last year. He didn't have an offseason of rehab, really. This was him getting ready normally for the season, and he's been good, and Penny's been hurt. So those two guys are kind of ranked close together. So Freeman has kind of taken the lead because I think he's got the clearest path as of now to the most touches, but I like the talent of guys like Michelle and Penny more. But opportunity can block guys. As we said, guys can be better in fantasy versus reality and vice versa. I like these players. I just don't know if the same opportunities will be there for um, you know Michelle, for P- Penny on a regular basis, like I think they'll be there for Freeman. I think my biggest question for you is when you talk about Freeman slotting into that number two spot with the additions they've made, a lot of new ones, some you know some very similar faces. Do you believe in the Denver offense as a unit that can get into the red zone and present him touchdown opportunities? Uh, that's always tough, and that's always something I think about. You know, people get mad about Julio Jones not yep. having enough touchdowns, and those are fickle with wide receivers. But I do think about that when it comes to running backs. Are they going to get the chance to score touchdowns? 
And that there is a concern there with Denver. You know, is the line better? Case Keenum is an upgrade, but Case Keenum's not. One he's of Case the, Keenum. He's, he's fine. Demarius has slowly teetered off over the last couple. I mean, it I feels like, that way at well, least. Yeah, no, I get that. You know, he's had all kinds of injuries. Yeah. He, he stayed healthy. He's a solid. I like Thomas to bounce back. I like okay. Sanders to bounce back because their quarterback is better. They should have a better clue. They just couldn't figure out what to do with running the football last year. I kept talking up C.J. Anderson. And I'm not saying he's great, but they didn't want to go with him. And when they did go with him early in the season, they were winning games or at least making it interesting. They would get away from the run. They wouldn't commit. They'd use a bunch of different guys, which didn't make sense because their quarterback situation was one of the worst, if not the worst, in football. So I think now is you have to commit to Freeman. You have to commit to running the football. You have a better quarterback. They should be better just across the board with a better quarterback and just to commit to the rushing attack. I don't expect Denver to be anything great. They're probably a seven and nine, eight and eight team. But I think there's enough there for Freeman that I go, okay, if they just stick with him, he should be a solid RB2. Is there anyone when you look at this kind of just wild group of day three running backs that none of them are projected to be in serious roles? They're all backups, but with injuries or potential injuries or even just talent, is there anyone across the board from a guy like I mean, the list goes on. Chase Edmonds, Jordan Wilkins is an interesting one. John Kelly is girlies backup. Who out of this group do you go, okay, I can see some kind of potential second half surge off of opportunity or just talent? Yeah, you made a good point there. Second half, you need to be aware of these guys. I say it all the time, and this is why people should be following you guys for fantasy purposes, because he, uh, when it comes to someone like Wilkins, you need to be aware of these day three guys for fantasy, and maybe not from day one, but in Indy, for instance. They might start Kristen Michael in week one, yeah. which tells you all you need to know about how wide open that backfield is. We want to get information, right? We're watching the preseason. We're tracking training camp. We're sitting on Twitter all day long to get every kind of tidbit we can with the hope that at the end of the preseason, someone has emerged for each one of these backfields. These battles are, are, are done. That's not going to be the case. These battles will rage on into the regular season for a lot of these Always. rookies. And I think Indy is the top Example of that because it's Wilkins, it's Hines, Marlon Mack. The fact that Kristen Michael is still have a pulse in that backfield. He always returns. It's, I, somehow, he <laughs> every knows summer. where all of the bodies are buried, apparently, across the NFL. <laughs> um, I lean towards Wilkins. I like him the best of that okay. group. I'm not much of a Marlon Mack fan. I think he's more of a, uh, a part-time player. Yeah, and there's frustration from the indie fan base. They say, why isn't this guy getting full-time opportunity Now, I'm not saying staffs are always smarter than fans, but there's always some kind of underlying factor. This is the same argument I've heard from Jets fans for years at Bilal Powell. I'm with you on that one. And the staff is always like, I think there's a belief there, at least from how much they play him, that he can't stay healthy with a full workload. I feel like it's kind of become similar situation Indy with Marlon Mack. Yeah, I, I was on that last year. I didn't think he got enough chances. Frank yeah. Gore's solid, but certainly I not mean, what it used to be. But Frank Gore. Max banged up. Um he didn't, the more I watched him, he didn't hit me anything, as anything special. So I got yep. why they were like, you know what? We're going to just stick with the veteran. We know what we have. But now you got luck coming back. Your old line you hope is better. That's a big part of it. It's yep. got to be better. I, you got to protect worse. that guy. If they get back to what they were a couple years ago, I'm not saying they have to be great. But if luck can get back to close to what he was, I, I feel like he's the guy that should boost an offense. You know, I, I've talked up guys in Green Bay all offseason, Jamal Williams or even Geronimo Allison as a late pick. Yep. Why? Number 12's back there. When you got Aaron Rodgers back there, you, everybody gets a boost out of that. Same thing with Rivers in, with the Chargers or Brady with Chris Hogan, anything like that. But if we get Andrew Luck close to what he used to be, that should be a boost for the whole offense. And you would think that should be a boost for 
whoever becomes the running back there. I don't think we're going to have a clear answer for a couple of weeks. I'm kind of just steering clear. Uh, nobody is worth, you know, nobody's got a high ADP. It's not like yeah. you have to commit max the top, but it's not like he's going for much. So I, I lean towards Wilkins. Um, nobody else really though. Those names, nothing. I mean, I guess Kelly, because he's, he's backing up early. Yeah. Is he the clear handcuff? Everybody always asks about handcuffs. Yes. Unless you know, this is the guy like Latavius Murray is the clear handcuff for Dalvin cook. Yeah. Dalvin cook is a end of the first top of second. I grabbed him in a couple leagues where I have cook, you know, for a buck in an auction or last round. But if you don't know about that, and also if it's a, such a massive step down, handcuffs don't really matter that much. That's a, yeah, exactly right. And back to Wilkins, he is an interesting player because, yes, he was a fifth-round pick, but his college career was so weird. He was basically ineligible for very dumb NCAA reasons right. for a year. Came back and looked sharp. One of his best games was against Alabama. So we know in an outside zone, what he we've seen him, what he can do. He fits that scheme. He's got talent at the second level to make things happen. So... Like you said, if Andrew Luck is back and this offense is back to being a capable unit, there's a lot to like there as a flyer, maybe. Or a guy, like you said, just have him on the radar so at the like end of the season. Marlon Max ADP, actually higher than I thought as I looked this up, 100.8 RB39. So not you know a, a, a low-end RB3, a flex yep. spot. But I don't even feel the need to take a guy at pick 100 there. If I have no idea what that backfield is going to look like, uh, Wilkins, I think, is yeah one six, like he's a freebie. At this point... Deeper league, whatever, last round pick, go ahead, pick him up. I'm okay with that. But no answers are, are there right now for the indie backfield. This wide receiver group, not the same prestige aura around this group as last year, even though Mike Williams and Corey Davis were obvious disappointments. But as top 10 picks, there's at least excitement around them. This year, there has not been that. But there are still expected roles for these guys. Two went in the first round. We'll start right off the top with the guy that, I told you before the show and off the air, DJ Moore in Carolina is the biggest mystery to me. I don't know how to value him. I don't know what to expect from him. There are mouths to feed there. But to be fair, they've needed a guy like this for a couple years now. They've needed DJ Moore. And at the same time, I look and go, well, they got Greg Olson back. Who I think people are kind of sleeping on a little bit because he was banged up last year and couldn't come back from that. Christian McCaffrey is going to get a ton of targets, as he should. You still have Devin Funches there. And I'm not saying anybody's a, a dominant player, but when Christian McCaffrey last season ended up with 23% of the overall target share in Carolina, it says a lot about what they didn't have and what they think they have in him. Um, for someone like Devin Funches last year, 22.6% of the target share. Kelvin Benjamin had 10% before he left. There's openings here. There's no doubt about it. Curtis Samuel's at 5%. I was say, he's you know, healthy now and it, looks good. But the, he's another mystery guy. Is there a spot for more? Yes. Is it a big spot? No. You know, we were just talking about Rodgers and Rivers and Brady. These are the kind of quarterbacks that make the receivers around them better. Cam might be an MVP. He's not that kind of quarterback. No, not at and, all. and people are going to take that as a negative, and it probably should be, but it's not. It's just not how he is. They've tried to put bigger bodies around him, whether it be Benjamin and Funches. He's had the reliable guy in and Greg Olson for years. Yep. You have McCaffrey out of the backfield. They're fine. But at the same time, I don't go, oh, he's playing with Cam. I feel great about him. No, I think it's quite the opposite. So I don't expect a ton out of DJ Moore. If he finishes the top rookie wide receiver, that could mean he's a, you know at 50 for the year or 45 for the year. So are you higher on Calvin Ridley, a guy taking two picks after him? And I don't want to say it's a luxury pick for Atlanta in a sense. It kind of there, But it, there's a little bit of a feel of that. It, but a good, very good player, very might, good prospect. It might depend on how they use him. Okay. I mean, if they're going to go three wide a lot, 
then he's going to be on the field. Now, yep. like, Sanu is fine. I've always felt like Sanu is probably miscast as a wide receiver, too, which is kind of what he is on that team. And you could do different things with him. But if, if he's there, it does block Ridley. You still have two great running backs. You have Austin Hooper. You have Julio. There's a lot of there. There's one football and a lot of mouths to feed. So it's, you know, if you want to go, well, Julio's got the injury history. Yeah, if he goes down, I'm going to get excited about Ridley. Ridley's I think Atlanta will take a step forward. But I think it's much like Nick Chubb. Uh, or carry on Johnson really landing in the wrong spot as a rookie to make an impact. Okay. And, and that's the thing. And I think, as we always know, rookie wide receivers, for the most part, it's a tough position to learn, especially if you have to learn more of the route tree. Some of these guys ran what three, four routes, yep. maybe in college. That's a step up. I think it's good for Ridley's development and his future that he doesn't have to be a, a very important player from day one. Whereas DJ Moore may have to be. Yeah, it does feel that way. And another guy that does not have to be an important player in a group we just talked about, Cortland Sutton in Denver. This, to me, feels like the ultimate stream guy for red zone targets if they show up. He is a vulture. I think he's going to be a touchdown vulture in Denver, where if you have Sanders or Thomas, both guys I like, you're going to go, ah, I'm sick of this. He stole another touchdown from me again. You know, because what do they have at tight end? I kind of like Jake Butt, but, you know, he's kind of, he's a big question mark coming off of a lost season as a rookie with the torn ACL at Michigan. And do they have a real red zone guy? Maybe that is Cortland Sutton. I, I thought that as soon as they drafted, I went, there's a guy that's going to steal six touchdowns, but not do enough for you to play him on a weekly basis. No. Or you, you know what? He'll be a guy that he'll score in week two. He'll get like two touchdowns and have a catch in week three. He'll be the kind of guy that does enough that like eight of the 12 teams in your league end up having him at some point this season, but none of them start him at the right of, time. Of course, it always feels that way. And he was the best above the rim prospect in this draft class. It wasn't even close. And it's interesting to hear Chris Harris, such a good veteran corner, come out and say, listen, in the red zone jump ball, he's as good as advertised. It's everything else he needs to work on right now. Which is frustrating for fantasy. I think yes. that's the thing is if a guy's consistently involved or if he's a deep play threat or something, you go, oh, okay, I can, I can, you know, best ball leagues. I'll take a shot on him late. And if he gives me two weeks where he ends up my starting lineup, cool, that's great. But he might be more of a guy uh, in your dynasty leagues as you're reloading for this year that you take and go, I'm going to stash that guy away for you. Yeah, year. it might be their future Demarius. That would be a home run if they get that, even if they get a percentage of that. The next three guys, and we'll just go in order here, to me are, are probably the most interesting of the entire group. Uh, Dante Pettis is, was the next one off the board in San Francisco. A superb route runner coming out. Tons of experience. Also, the all-time leader in NCAA punt return touchdowns. So when you look at Pettis... He fits what Shanahan wants right there. Now, is there opportunity there? I don't see it from day one. It takes an injury, right? Yeah, I, there's a lot of things here at play. Uh, Goodwin obviously has become more than just a deep threat that Everyone we thought he would loves be. him. I get it, and I, I totally understand it. And it was nice that when Garoppolo came over, they connected right away. Yep. You have Garcon coming back, who I think kind of gets overlooked as a really reliable Shanahan's receiver. guy, and he's a Shanahan. Yeah, that that offense is so fantasy-friendly. Kyle Shanahan's been our fantasy best friend for forever. You know uh, what you're getting. We, we, we know what we're getting. It's going to be good. It's why people are excited about Jarek McKinnon. It's why people are excited about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I understand that. But at the same time, you got to work your way into that group. And with Garcon and with Marquise Goodwin, George Kittle, who's coming back from the shoulder injury, looks like he'll be ready to go for week one. And then Jarek McKinnon catching the ball. Heck, I thought Kyle Jusek could do more than he did last year. Yeah. There's a name you just have to at least think about. So I don't see a, a way for uh, him to break through. Trent Taylor there as well. Like there's there's <laughs> yeah. a lot. It's a good group. 
It is. It's probably more annoying for fantasy than it will be helpful outside of Garcon and Goodwin. All right. Next up was Christian Kirk. I find him to actually be the least interesting of this group of top, you know, five or seven that were off the board because you love the connection you've seen between him and Josh Rosen. I think neither of those guys are going to play right away, or at least it feels that way already. Their receiving core outside of Larry Fitzgerald is not good at all. No, we know that. The and line that's why is they took the line's bad. You know, if I assume it's going to be Bradford for a little while, it sounds that and way. it should be, and that tells me a lot of Larry Fitzgerald, a lot of David Johnson, and maybe actually a lot of Ricky Seals Jones because another another vulture in a sense, right? Well, yeah, and he was that last year. And then it was, hey, wait, maybe this guy's more than just a vulture. Sam loves his tight ends. That's a good thing. It's always something to think about. Who does who do these guys have you know the comfort factor with? Kind of like in Joku and Cleveland. Tyrod yep. loves Charles Clay. Uh, Joku is a lot more than Charles Clay, but I think of these things, and I think of Sam Bradford not throwing the ball down the field and averaging you know four and a half yards per attempt, all that stuff because that's what he was, whatever. Yep. But you you take that what it is, and for Christian Kirk, it, it might take a year or two. It might take okay, who's the quarterback? You know, next year. I think we know that answer, but. It's not right away. And here's a here's a general draft strategy. Avoid bad teams. If you can, if yes. you need a tiebreaker, avoid the bad teams. I'm not saying don't draft David Johnson, it's don't draft Larry Fitzgerald. But if you think a team stinks, my big board article has this. I, I have the teams that I think give a boost to your players across the board, those that I think will take a step forward, like the Colts and the Bears, the Giants. And then there's a group of like the Jets, the Dolphins, the Cardinals that I go, I don't. Yeah, I'm going to stay away if I can. There are fantasy options on those teams, but if I need a tiebreaker, I'll stay away for a rookie wide receiver like Christian Kirk. Uh, not a guy you even need to worry about late. Now, back to a team that you think takes a step forward with the Chicago Bears. Anthony Miller, in yeah. a way, has probably been the most talked about receiver out of this draft class over summer. I think there's excitement about him. I think in Nagy's offense, there's excitement around the tight end position there, the receiver position there. They have two backs that are ver- that complement each other perfectly and are very capable. Now, how does Miller fit into this equation? Because it's starting to feel like there are some targets for him there. Yeah, because you have Allen Robinson, of course. There's your number one. You have Trey Burton, who a lot of people are excited about. Yes. Well, not exactly a long track record in Philadelphia, but I At get all. it. I understand it. You, you, the, the, the thoughts of Travis Kelsey are flashing through your head in the Nagy offense. And I, I think that could be there, for especially for a young quarterback to connect with his tight end. Those are good things. So what do they have? They have Taylor Gabriel, yeah. who's probably more of a, a trickeration kind of guy. He's he's not exactly your typical, prototypical wide receiver, too. He'll oh, make some big plays. Will Tariq Cohen get receiver kind of targets? That's, 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 that's my issue question. with Anthony Miller, is that I like Tariq Cohen to yeah. do that because they completely misused him after a hot start last year. He kind of came out of nowhere. He was like, oh, they should use this guy. And I, I think uh, no one's going to talk up the hands of Jordan Howard, although they do want to use him on third down more. Of course. But Tariq Cohen might be the reason that, that we don't see that potential breakout PPR season of Anthony Miller. And that's okay, because I think Tariq Cohen could be a guy that wins people championships if they keep him out there in a consistent role. If he is their Duke Johnson plus with some Tyreek Hill elements to his game, that's a valuable player in fantasy football. And I think that hurts Anthony Miller Although Miller could be a kind of guy like, I'm stuck, it's Sunday morning, I need a shot at eight points in a PPR, I throw him in there if he catches four balls for 45 yards. I'll take that as a you know a flex spot as in a PPR format. So once again, a lot of this comes down to um, talented player, maybe the opportunities won't be there for him. The final three I want to talk about, all there's optimism around all three for different reasons, and there's reasons to have doubts. James Washington, optimism because he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. It seems like anyone that plays wide receiver there just 
it seems to be at least capable in that offense. DJ Chark in Jacksonville hate Blake Bortles, mm. loved DJ Chark, thought he was almost really a top 35 guy in this class. I think I had him at like 28. Great speed, great size, and he's flashed in camp. The other guy, really just an opportunity guy, Michael Gallup in Dallas. How do you break down these three? Yeah, uh, Gallup, I think to me, is the one that may jump out because of opportunity because you'd argue that Dallas has the worst receiving core in They're football. saying he might start. Uh, you know what? I feel like he kind of should. Yeah. Alan Hearns is a guy. Cole Beasley is is a slot receiver. Terrence Williams has been completely overrated for years, apparently by the Cowboys alone. There's just not there. They don't have anything at tight end. Michael Gallup was drafted to fill a spot uh, and a gaping hole left in their offense with Des gone and Witten gone. I mean, there are targets to make up here. I mean, that's, that's the thing. And when you have Terrence Williams getting 16% of your target share, it's not a big number, but it's way too big for him. That's a crazy number. Des who I feel like was kind of a ghost last year, still had over 27% of their target share. That's a big number. So there's opportunities there. I don't think they're going to throw the ball a lot. I think this is kind of a fork in the road season for Dak Prescott, and I don't think Dallas has done them any favors. Are they an offense to stay away from? I'm leaning that way. I'm not completely there just because I'm I'm not going to stay away from an offense that has Zeke. He's going to give them chances. But they're close. I mean, they're not an offense I'm targeting. Really, outside of Zeke, I don't want anybody on that team. So they, they might be closer to that. You know, Dak's always going to help with his legs. That's, you know, streaming quarterback, whatever it may be. But I think there's a chance here for Gallup. I just wish I bought into the team a little bit more. But yeah, if you want to stash him away, if you're picking him in the 14th, 15th round, uh, I get that. Chark is like Bortles, right? Does the Lee injury help, though, at all? Or is it more of a Keelan Cole boost? I'm all about Keelan yeah. Cole there. Not that I'm <laughs> like, once I think we can't get that pumped because that's a team that plays great defense. And that's a team that runs the heck out of the football and does that well. Exactly. Uh, like those two spots, you could say they're top five in both in the league. And that's probably even underrating them a little bit. That's what the identity of the Jacksonville Jaguars is. So it's tough to get that excited when we know they don't want to throw the ball 35 times a game with Bortles if they can avoid it. And it's Blake Bortles. I mean, it's it's an offense that is built around staying away from Blake Bortles. Now, if they were smart and traded for Teddy Bridgewater, yep. maybe we're having a different conversation. But we don't know. We'll, we'll see with the Jaguars how serious they are about those Super Bowl uh, also, aspirations. Their backups are Cody Kessler and Tanner. Lane. Oh, they're they're dead. If they go, if if uh, here's here's the saddest thing in the world. If Blake Bortles goes down, they're finished. Done. Think about that. <laughs> it, it, like there's an opportunity here. The window is open. You and I talked about this on Twitter. I've been talking about this for for months. There's a door opening here, and, and this was open last year, and they almost walked right through it. But it's still open right now. And I thought part of that being open was the fact that Andrew Luck went down. Because when Andrew Luck was drafted by the Colts, the rest of that division went, okay, we got to deal with that every year. And the For door was time. open last year, and we don't know where the Colts are at now. Now, Jacksonville did their job and almost got to the Super Bowl. They were minutes away. With Blake Bortles. With Blake Bortles. So that is the reason why I can't get excited about any Jaguar receiver. I've moved Keelan Cole up the most, but that might mean he's like wide receiver 40 for the season. You got Westbrook there. Chark's interesting. There's just not enough there for him. Um, opportunity situation once again. And then James Washington, is it just another? <sighs> not enough hey, there. Yeah, there's just not much there. You they know, have two, obviously, two great receivers. It seems like people question, Brad, oh, I wonder if they have a second guy. I said he's been the number one guy for the last four years. He's done so with a legitimate yes. second option at wide receiver, and he's done it without one. He's got one this year, and I love Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster, I think, could be a really good wide receiver, too. There's a lot of volume in that offense. They can support the number one running back, the number one wide receiver, and a darn good wide receiver, too, in Juju. I don't know if there's that much more than that. I know they like Vance McDonald. He's had injury issues himself. 
Washington may need a year or two to kind of break through there because we don't typically see them support more than the two wide receivers because there's so much volume that goes to Le'Veon Bell in the backfield and, and obviously Antonio Brown in, in the receiving core. I mean, we're talking about numbers here that are astronomical, and they work. 27.9% of the target share last year went to Antonio Brown. 13.5% went to Juju, and that was kind of only half of a season where he was featured. Say, that actually sounds low at first, but he really didn't turn it on until the second Extrapolated half. over the whole yes. season, and that probably gets him into the 19 20% range. And then, oh, by the way, uh, the running back is pretty busy there as well when Le'Veon Bell's getting 18.2% of the target share and over 73% of the carry oh share. God. They're going to run him into the <laughs> ground. This is the business of the NFL. Is there enough to take away from those guys a little bit to give to James Washington to make him fantasy relevant? I don't think so, but I'm with you. Pittsburgh seems to know what they're doing with wide receivers. We got to talk about the quarterbacks. I think you said it best in the beginning of the show. It's a weird group because even the guys that are going to play, what kind of impact are they going to make? Now we're coming off a weird year where, and I know it was only six games, Deshaun Watson was winning people weeks at times. Yes. Now we're finally going to see Pat Mahomes over a full stretch, Mitch Trubisky in an offense that's very quarterback friendly. This group, on the other hand, is a little different because we do have some week one starters, but the number one overall pick is not that guy. Baker Mayfield has looked very good. He, I think, has a lot of help in that offense between the line receivers and running backs. And I like Todd Haley, but he's not going to play. How do we value Baker Mayfield knowing, one, we've already seen Tyrod get banged up. Two, I don't know how long he can hold off Baker Mayfield. I think the Baker Mayfield decision, and I'm probably not saying anything crazy, is not a Hugh Jackson decision. That is an organizational decision, because I don't know if Hugh Jackson will be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns next yep. year. That could be, by the way, three years in a row where the number one pick doesn't go into a second season with his same head coach. If you think about that's I know that's great. Trubisky uh, had it, obviously not the number one pick, but Trubisky, it happened with Jared Goff. It could happen again here, which yeah. is kind of baffling. It's, but it might make it's sense overwhelming. For, for, for Cleveland. But uh, should have done it while they had the chance already. If you're watching yes. Hard Knocks, you're hearing the comments, I get it. Anyway, with Mayfield, initially I was saying, week, you know, December. Yep. They're going to take their time. You don't want to rush them out there. Uh, then I moved it up, and I'm like, ah, week eight. And now I'm, what are you waiting for? What, right? You know what the thing is? Look at Josh Allen and Buffalo. They're terrible. Horrible. He they has have, no help. They have Again. no help. Who knows what happens with McCoy? Does he get, you know, is the off-field stuff take him off the field? Does he end up on the exempt list? Which is why, by the way, side note, I'm not bothering with LaShawn McCoy this year yep. for fantasy. I don't want to touch him in the third or fourth round. But Allen might have the clearest path other than Sam Darnold to start from day one. Yes. In a bad situation where the O-line is not great. Vlad Dukas starts. Right, exactly. You know all about that <laughs> as a Jets fan. And those in the division know about Vlad Dukas, including the Bills fans. It's a good thing when he was with the Jets, not now when he's with the Bills. So Josh Allen's going to come in, and I'm already worried about him because I think he's coming in and his growth is going to be stunted because they stink. Whereas Baker Mayfield, as you said, okay, take take for a second if you can. The fact that he's on the Cleveland Browns. Wipe all that stuff away. We're, we're, we see no color of the uniforms or anything yep. like that. Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, obviously Gordon. We'll see what he can bring. But from a talent standpoint, it's a good backfield. I think the line's solid. I like the line. There's a lot of good things yes. here. Now, you go, oh, it's the Browns. All right, wipe that away for a second. And if you're a Brown fan, you don't want to hear that either. But there's a, 
to me, Baker Mayfield is actually in the best situation of any of the rookie quarterbacks. I now, agree. what does that mean for fantasy? I could see that if he gets some time early and he starts to get comfortable, that in the right matchup and you're stuck, you can't rule any quarterback out of being in your lineup this year. Let me just say that right now. There are going to be times, whether you're in deeper leagues, or two quarterback leagues, or or you know, you're setting your lineup on a Sunday and daily, whatever, where you go, hey, he's cheap, or I can pick him up and plug him in there. That could be for any quarterback. That yep. could be for Terod Taylor. That could be for Baker Mayfield. That could be for you know any of these guys. It could be there for Joe Flacco, probably not. But Andy Dalton could be in here. Like you know that could happen. Josh McCown, you know this is a Jets fan, was for about a month plus a top ten fantasy quarterback yes, last it's year. True. Now, do you think of him that way? Absolutely not. But it could be. So if Baker Mayfield has a good matchup and it's late in the season, or you're dealing with bye weeks or two quarterback leagues or deeper leagues, yeah, I could see him getting in there. I've, I'll tell you where I've been taking them. Best ball leagues, and if people don't know what they are, that's basically you draft your entire league all at once, 20 rounds or so. That's it. You don't add and drop. Yep. You don't do trades. You don't set a lineup. It takes your best lineup every week. And a lot of the times in those leagues, unless you get a big name like a Rodgers or a Brady or a Wilson, you'll take three quarterbacks. you got to worry about your bye week, and then, God forbid, an injury. Of course. I've been taking Baker Mayfield as a third quarterback on a lot of those teams. Because if he ends up having a good enough week once or twice to be my starter, then it's completely worth it as a 19th round pick or something like that. So I see him more in those formats, but I'm with you. I think he's in the best situation of the rookie. So I hope we see him sooner rather than later, but I'm going to guess that's a John Dorsey decision as much as it is a Hugh Jackson decision. So in a standard league to close out the Baker conversation, you don't draft him as your backup because you like the upside. You just take a guy that you know is going to play. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's where it gets tricky. So you don't have to. T- quarterback has been so uh, watered down because, like I- I've said, I think there's 15 or 16 guys. I would say if I go in week one, I'm good with that guy as my yep. fantasy starter. And then it gets into you know people might say Mariota. I'd say he's a top backup. I'd say I'd like to get Patrick Mahomes as a top backup. That's Alex Smith, Dak yeah. Prescott. I brought up Eli earlier. Trubisky, Case Keenum, even Derek Carr. I mean, these are guys that are the top backups. Now you go, all right, if I, if I have to take a backup, I don't think you have to. I, I've gone into leagues where I have Rivers and just Rivers. I have just Stafford. If you end up taking a, a high-end quarterback, you're not worried about the backup. You'll pick him up when you need him because you're going to play Aaron Rodgers as long as he's on the field. So in a deeper league, you know, a 14-teamer, maybe there, but more best ball leagues, you know, dynasty drafts, once again, quarterback is not that big of a deal. I, I'm in a dynasty rookie draft right now where we keep 12 guys. We're four rounds in. There's no quarterbacks off the board. All right. For a guy that's not going to be a backup, no matter what Todd Bowles tells the media, You're right. Sam Darnold is starting week one at Detroit on Monday night football. Not the easiest matchup for your first NFL star, especially for a guy like Sam that's 21, but this is how it's going to be. It's not going to be Teddy Bridgewater. It's not going to be Josh McCown, Sam Darnold. Where do you have him right now? And is there anything you like about him or does it kind of revert back to your argument? Not a great offense for fantasy. Just really avoid this one. I'm at 29, which is okay. the top rookie quarterback. Because he, I think he's, he's going play. from day yes. one. That's that's why. I mean, if you, like I said, extrapolate May, Mayfield's numbers over a 16-game season, he would be higher. I'd probably have him than Joe Flacco, higher than Joe Flacco as well, who's kind of my low-end starting 16-game quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, the Jets are fine. I think last year at this time, we're going, don't go near the Jets. Don't gonna bother with the, the Jets. They're going to run the ball an overwhelming amount. Right. And then you have, like, a group of... Guys, we'll see if Robbie Anderson has any off-field issues or that comes back to bite him, but he's clearly their best receiver. 
Curse had his career year last year. You have a Nunwa coming back who's kind of a wild card. I think he'll be Sam's best target. Which would be nice, but we kind of don't know that. So it's it, tough it, to totally. get two in on 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 uh on Darnold. You know, there's not a lot there in tight end. We're gonna see that as yep. it happens. That's going to maybe show itself throughout the year. So it's hard to like, you know, if it was Darnold from day one in Cleveland, I might go, eh, I, yeah. I, I, I keep an eye on him early. Yep. I, I think that's the case, but it's not. And like I said, they're a team that I'm kind of avoiding. So it's more of just wait and see. Could I see me streaming him at some point when he's got a good matchup at some point this season? Yeah, I think that's a possibility. All right, I want to revisit the Josh Allen conversation one more time because obviously with his ability to throw downfield, and he runs. Which you, is, oh, by the way, fantasy tip sidebar. When in doubt, look for legs. Dak Prescott was the number 10 quarterback last year. Did anybody think of him I that did, way in reality? Not no. a guest top 15. You can get a little bonus out of that. Tarod Taylor's been that guy in the past. Even Luck and Rodgers, it's not their obviously primary yep. thing they do, but that gives them a little boost over some of these other guys. Why Russell Cam Wilson, valuable. Cam, Cam, that's, that's Cam's that's career. Cam. Yeah. And you're just waiting for that to fall off. So when in doubt, look for legs. Uh, and, and that could be the case here for Allen and Buffalo. Although I don't think we'll be talking a match about fantasy. Yes. After this. I think, I think Josh Allen is probably a guy you stay away from due to situation. The next two guys I do think are going to play this year. I think it's going to be a very short amount of time. They play now Rosen starting with Rosen has Bradford in front of him. Sure. Which gives you more hope. And, you know, Glennon's there. Whatever. Rosen's looked good. I'm not shocked. I thought Rosen was the best quarterback in this class. But, once again, I know you don't love the offense. Yes, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald are there. It's more than that. Top heavy. It is Ro- now, Rosen is a classic dropback passer that UCLA would throw like 50 times a game. Do you think in December there's a shot he has value? Or is it one of those things where it's like, I, you just don't. There's so much mystery around this. Too situation. much mystery. I mean, once again, I don't think much of Arizona. The yep. line scares me. Uh, you have Fitz. You have David Johnson, and then what? I mean, you don't have much there. I kind of like Ricky Seals Jones, but just in general, I don't think they're good. Is there a plan there for Rosen? I mean, what? Like, the, like is there a plan there for Allen and Buffalo, or are they playing them because they think they have to? Uh, I think there's more of a plan there for Rosen. People can hate Sam Bradford all he wants, but. If you talk to people around the league, I think he's got a lot more respect from people around the league, including players, than maybe from the media, from your 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 casual they fan. They love him. He's a pretty solid quarterback. And and by the way, if he's your quarterback and you have, you know, going back to Philly or or Minnesota, you're okay with that. You you feel confident. I know that's maybe not necessarily in him, but if that's the quarterback thrown to your tight end and receiver, you're like, all right, I got Sam Bradford there. I'm going to be fine. Accurate. Accurate. He's going to get my guy the ball. He's not going to overthrow him. So does Arizona stick by that for a while? Do they not want to put Rosen in that spot? Where like, Who has injury history? Significant. If you've invested as much as they did in that guy, and you know, I mean, they know they're not good. Yeah, Cleveland might need to just change the culture so you want to play Baker, and th- that's not an zero and sixteen team. Uh, whatever you, the record says, one thing: Arizona's a worse football team than Cleveland. I'll say it right yep, now. I, I believe agree. that. I think Cleveland can walk into four wins. I think totally. Win, I think they win six games. They'll be fun to watch. I think Arizona will be tough to watch unless David yeah. Johnson is, you know, getting getting his job done, which he should. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't see much in Rosen. I, I think he will play. I agree. Um, if Bradford stays healthy, that sounds like a you know late November, December move to me. The Arizona. last guy in this group is the vice president of the look for legs argument. That's right. Lamar Jackson has been a fun preseason when he's on the move. I'm very disappointed. I, I don't think he's made any jumps as a passer yet, and he needs the time. I don't think this is a guy that is ready to take, and I am as low as Joe Flacco as anyone can be. 
I don't think that staff will put him out there anytime soon. I don't either. Uh, I think it's, if anything, just, hey, Joe, there's somebody here that could yes. take your job. Whether that lights a fire under Flacco or not, I don't. I, I hope he doesn't need that motivation at this point in his career. But I'm with you. Uh, a project player, I loved him. I thought Jacksonville should have taken him, knowing that they had Bortles. So Baltimore gets him. I think we all know the story about Joe Flacco and that uh, since Super Bowl year, I don't think any Ravens fans are happy to see him around anymore and the money he got off of that. But uh, there's a team that, what do they do at wide receiver? Like All they do is, oh, that was a veteran who was good. He might still be good. We'll sign him. John Brown, Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed. Mike Wallace was brought in. Mike Wallace, and he was good for him. That's the thing. Like They don't see, they've done a bad job drafting Wide receivers. We'll see if they get tight end right. They no didn't the last couple running of years. back ever. I like Hayden Alex Hurst Collins. Hayden Hurst. I like I, I like Alex Collins because I don't really believe in their passing game. Yep. He's the only guy I want. You know, I think people are overrating Michael Crabtree. So that comes back to well, when do you put Lamar Jackson out there? I think the Ravens have to be out of contention for even to be a chance that we see Lamar Jackson. Because you and I both know this. While they drafted him, when you put him out there and Joe Flacco's not hurt, you have turned the page on Joe Flacco. And that's a big decision that Baltimore's got to make. I don't think the fans would be too upset to see that happen. No, but the financial impact, that's too. A, that's a whole Whoa. different story if you make that move. And I know that, you know, Jackson, they traded up to go get him and all that, and he's not exactly cheap as a backup, but that's your future. So it's when you want to turn the page to the future there. I don't think they're going to be in a rush to do so. That seems to me more like a we're going to go to Lamar in 2019, and we're going to make that transition in the offseason. Before we close this thing out, I want to do a couple fun over-unders for you. Uh, I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of hype around the rookies. Fans are excited about their players, but sometimes expectations get crazy. And let's start with the craziest one. Saquon Barkley combining rushing and receiving yards over under 1,400 total yards. Let me look at my projections. Here we go. It can be (laughs) 1,400 over. Over. I got him at. 15, almost 1,600. Okay, I think people will be pretty happy with that. All right, another running back, a guy that we both were pretty high on in the beginning of this show, Royce Freeman. Do you think he gets to 1,000 rushing yards? I do not. Okay. But I think he does enough as a receiver to push for 1,000 total yards. All right. Cortland Sutton, over under six touchdowns. Is he five and a half? Six yeah, and a half? Like, like, like he, he's a five and like the most annoying five touchdowns that you could possibly get. You're going to hate him. I do a segment on my radio show called sick of this. And we just analyze and talk about, we have a whole segment of all the touchdowns of guys that are clearly not on your team yep. that ruin you. It's always fullbacks. Andy uh, Janovich and yeah. Denver's always been a guy. Uh, Lorenzo Neal was up. Mike was Tolbert Kuhn was on there. John Kuhn is in. We actually he's, have a hall of fame. He's on he's the board of directors. He, he's on the board of directors of the sick of this hall of fame. Uh, Cortland Sutton as a rookie. It's nice though when they graduate out of sick of this and into, hey, I can play this guy every yep. week. He's not going to be like that as a rookie. All right. Well, let's get it going even more so than ever this year. Hashtag sick of this. That is Please. a lot of fun. DJ Moore over under 800 yards. Under. I don't think there's enough there for him. I could make the argument, and based on how I have him ranked, this is the case. He might be fourth in targets on that team this year. It's I think totally I love fair. Olsen. I have Olsen at four. People have him at five or six. I think you're kind of underrating how good and how important he is to Cam Newton. Uh, Jimmy Graham, a lot of people have it for. He needs the touchdowns, though. And he's got to break the curse of Green Bay tight ends because they do not help you for fantasy. As good as Aaron Rodgers is, they haven't had that guy since been a long like time. Jermichael Finley. Yes. Um, no, I, I don't think there's enough there for more. I, I would say Olsen and McCaffrey and Funches will get enough targets to, to limit his upside. All right, to a quarterback, Sam Darnold over under 
total, 20 total touchdowns. Because he's a guy that can move a little bit, I'm at too. 17. 17 yeah, I got combined. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's. Uh, well, Josh Allen's going to start. Let's do the same for him. No way, Not right? Close. Not I think close. it's under 15. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I don't see it. You, you, you don't need, he's going to need garbage time touchdowns to hit that number. Yeah, the Bortles touchdowns from two years That's ago. That's right. The Bortles, who, by the way, Blake Bortles, there's uh, like a handful of guys, I think the last few years that have been top 12 or 15 quarterbacks. He's like legit, like one spot away from being in that group. That is unbelievable. Let me, I, 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 <laughs> I have to bring that back up because it just, it's, it's crazy to even say that, but it is actually the truth. Blake Bortles has finished for fantasy, which is why fantasy and reality are very different things. But Blake Bortles has finished 13th, 9th, and 4th. The last three years. Ninth. Ninth. Four. A couple years ago. Four. Why? Because they had no defense and he was throwing like 45 times a game. And he can run a little. Yes. Enough. That, that was the thing. They were enough. using that. Look so, for, hashtag look for legs. Yeah. Look for legs. Yeah. But, so that, by the way, there's an example of why quarterback is so just watered down because you can find these. Yes. Guys. Don't you, reach you can, on it. You can find these guys. All right, everyone. Another fun year of the Rookie Fantasy Special. You can follow Camp at the Matt Camp. Shouldn't be too hard to find. Get the hashtag sick of this going. Sick of this. What do you got planned this year for everyone? Uh, so here at Bleacher Report, we do the stat stories that are on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram where we're basically giving you stats and I'll, I'll throw my comments in, whether it be backfield reviews during the season. We'll do it on sleepers, on pickups. Uh, you can check out Waiver Wire Weekly or hashtag WWWE on Tuesdays. We're going to move to 2 Eastern this year. Hit the injuries coming out of the week. We'll give you the best pickups, uh, keeper delete, keeper catcher release, whatever we're going to decide to call it. Um, and then we take a ton of questions throughout that show, which yes, is you big. Do. We want to have the interaction. And then on my Instagram, at the Matt Camp, I do the Fantasy Lunch, which is a new thing this year. I go on between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. I've been doing this since the start of August. I will do it to the end of the two season. hours. Oh, no, no, no. I'm on between. I just oh. give myself the time. No, I don't. Have, I wish I had I'd say two you're hours. answering every question. I, I announce on my Twitter. Hey, I'll be on at 115. Hey, I'll be on at noon. Okay. And I go for uh, typically a half hour. And nice. I go, here's the topics of the day. What are your questions? So it's just another way to access me. So I'm on that. So follow me there on Instagram and on Twitter. I I make a point to answer as many questions as I possibly can. And then uh, during the season articles, so we just put up the big board. Last one of the month, uh, last one of the preseason is up. I have a mock draft coming out on, uh, what's today? Uh, Thursday. So I think that'll be out Friday. So big board's up, mock draft is up. And then in season, on Tuesdays, you'll get the BS meter, which is where I take eight, 10 situations and grade them on a one. This is not BS, 10, it is complete BS. Uh, that comes out on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, the weekly big board with the rankings. Here's uh, guys I like better, worse, avoid them, sleepers. And then on Thursdays, I think this is the most informative article I do. It's backfield breakdowns and a workload watch is what we call it. Eight to ten backfields, a breakdown of snap counts, targets, carries, when they got those touches. Can we find some patterns here? Hey, this rookie's starting to come on. I think it'll be very important this year for like Colts backfields, Seattle's backfield, fantasy, folks. That is Tampa. Survival. Hey, who can I, who's starting to come on? Who are they using? Was it, you know, more game flow related? Things like that. So I do that. Uh, those are the three articles that come out and you can check uh, all that out and uh, we got you covered for the season. That we'll is awesome. What, that. what more do you need? As always, thanks a lot, dude. This is always a ton of fun. One of my uh, new favorite annual traditions. And for all you stickies out there, normal week ahead. You got this show on a Thursday. You got Stick to Football Friday on a Friday. And then we'll be starting the three shows per week coming right up. So we'll catch you guys next week. Next week.